Badger fans, and welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt and Matt Bells here covering everything Wisconsin athletics. On today's show, we've got a ton of news to get to from all across UW athletics. We've got a little football to talk. We've got basketball to talk about. We've got some hockey uh, to touch on. So it's, it's a plenty to get to, despite it being late July, early August, as we await college football camp opening up. After the news portion of the show, we'll talk about Big Ten Media Days to uh, say if anything stood out. And then to round things out at the end, we, of course, have to talk about the ever-changing world of the conference expansion with the Big 12. Uh, of course, that will likely cause some ripple effects, which we've already heard about somewhat in the, uh, of course, SEC and Big Ten. So we'll kind of just talk about some of those scenarios because it's really a, a fascinating discussion that has went from a rumor around this time last week of, of these rumblings going on to all of a sudden what seems like pure chaos in the college football landscape of each conference all of a sudden looking like they are pressing the gas pedal a little bit harder to possibly make some changes and some additions. So uh, crazy time in, in college football and college athletics as a whole, of course. So we'll get into all that because the ripple effects of this move with Oklahoma and Texas will certainly impact the Big Ten in one way or another. So it should be a fun conversation to dive into a little bit more. I know we talked about a little bit last week. Um, but uh, this, with it being much more official, we wanted to get into a little bit more this week. Matt, how are you today? I'm doing great. Yeah, no, I think that's going to be a fun discussion just because there's so much happening there and a lot to unpack. Yeah, there's plenty to get to for sure, so why don't we hop right into the news. We've got a little bit of football we'll start with. Uh, Braden Dorman is uh, visiting UW as well. I believe he's on campus today, correct, as we're recording this? Yep, he's on okay. campus right now. He's enjoying this uh, this lovely warm day, almost maybe a little too warm, uh, at least for me, but uh, on campus once again, so I think that's great news. We've talked about him, of course, the quarterback uh, out of Colorado. Seems like the Badgers' primary target right now, um, and it seems like the interest is mutual. You know, this is, of course, him being back on campus is a great sign when you look at, um, you know, how – this quarterback position is going to play out that way. So what do you make of that? I mean, it, it really is just everything pointing in the right direction right now in that situation. Yeah, I mean, he's a top 150 kid, um, really talented quarterback out of Colorado that the Badgers have been in on since the jump. He camped with Wisconsin in early June, picked up an offer there, um, and, and really Wisconsin has kind of narrowed in on him for a while now. So it's good to see that he's back on campus. He was at Iowa State just the past, uh, I think it was either the last two days or just yesterday. Um, so I, But I think that Wisconsin is definitely a threat to, to secure his commitment. I don't know when he's making um, an actual decision. He's a 2023 kid, so there's no rush. But um, I do think Wisconsin's in a really good spot for him, and hopefully that they, they can finish it off um, because he, he definitely has the good six foot four, six five. You know, 200 pound kid with a big arm. So, um, fits nicely with what Wisconsin does with their pro style offense. Yeah, I think the fit is great. He's got, like you said, all the, all the talent and the arm strength there. Uh, it seems like his offer list is starting to uh, collect some bigger names. I know he's had some uh, other visits. I think it was Iowa State I saw on his Instagram or Twitter the other day. Um, so I think he's definitely a guy that you want to keep an eye on. Uh, like you said, he's probably not super close. To a decision, but these quarterback decisions do come a little bit faster than some of these other positions. So uh, we'll see how the Badgers shake out in that regard, but certainly a fascinating player. When you look at the way the quarterback room is shaped up, we've talked about it uh, a little bit the last few episodes, of course, with Deacon Hill coming in. You like what he's got, but um, after that, this is a guy that I think Wisconsin certainly has circled in and wants to make sure is part of their uh, future plans. Yeah, Next kind of up on the list, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, keep it with the quarterbacks. Uh, big news today was that Daniel Wright entered the transfer portal. Um, what did you make of that? A little bit surprising, I, I guess, at the surface. I mean, when you look at it overall, maybe not. Once you once you sit down and, and realize it, you're all, all of a sudden maybe you're not as surprised. 
Um, I think Graham Mertz, as long as he's in Wisconsin, is, is going to be uh, a guy that's up there. I think talent-wise, Deacon Hill might be a guy that you know has already surpassed him. He's got a ton of arm strength, so him coming in, I just don't know if you maybe see a path at the quarterback position, and if he's starting, if he's wanting to pursue, of course, being a quarterback. I know we talked about his him gaining some weight for maybe a position change down the road. Maybe he didn't isn't that something that uh, he was as interested in as the coaching staff was thinking about making happen? So I think when you add that with the likely path of not getting there as a quarterback, um, it makes a lot of sense. And right now with the transfer rules, he's got an opportunity to go find a fresh start. You know, somewhere else, maybe in a group of five schools, something like that, where there's a, maybe an easier path. So, um, a little bit surprising. I think he, I think he's certainly got some talent to play quarterback at, at some sort of level. Just maybe the path um, he didn't see it maybe panning out uh, at Wisconsin. So, best of luck for him for sure. But um, interesting story to to add to this big news set. Yeah, I mean, six foot nine quarterback. I think that's the thing that I'll I'll miss is the Badgers having some behemoth uh, in the quarterback room. But but I do think yeah, he he probably wasn't going to see the field at Wisconsin. Um, most likely, we'll see kind of where he ends up and and what that looks like. But but I do think that Wisconsin will be just fine. I'm interested to see if maybe that increases the likelihood that they bring in a walk-on this year at the quarterback position, though, to kind of round out that depth chart with Danny Vandenboom likely gone after this season as well. I think, yeah, I think that would make a ton of sense. Um, you want to have some balance at that position, and, you know, with every year at least having somebody. So I think that would um, be an interesting situation for sure, but I, I could certainly see them uh, going after that with, of course, this little bit of ripple and the likelihood of, you know, like you said, Danny Vandenboom, of course, being gone after this year so interesting and hopefully he lands uh, somewhere and then can make a career at the college level It'll be interesting to see where his uh, path kind of goes all right next up on the news portion we've got more watch list um, members added with Jake Ferguson of course being announced to the Mackey watch list Caden Lyles announced to the Remington uh, watch list and of course Jack Sanborn added to another on um, the watch list for the Dick Butkus award so uh, really, all these guys very deserving. I, I, I was really, I think the one that jumps out is Caden Lyles. You, you know, he's got the talent there. I know he's been injury prone, but for him to make a watch list, I think that shows the, again, these lists. I don't know how many are on the Remington watch list award. Probably a good amount of players, but it just shows that even a guy that has been, been banged up a little bit in his career, being a Wisconsin offensive lineman, is it certainly carries that weight, and he could be a guy that that makes a jump up into this list, and, and who knows, could be a contender if he stays healthy. He's got all the talent in the world. Um, but what did you make of these three? Uh, I know the other two really aren't that surprising with Jake Ferguson being one of the top tight ends in the nation and Sanborn being a, a high-caliber cal- high Big Ten linebacker. So what did you make of these three being named to their respective list? I think it's just a really cool opportunity for all three of them. Um, I think of, of the three, Ferguson probably has the best chance. Um, to be one of the finalists for it. I think Sanborn, Sanborn could easily be there as well if he puts together a big season. But but really, I, I think that you look at this, this is just another indication that, hey, you've got top, top 20, 25 players um, at your positions, which is what you want. Um, you know, and, and I would argue that Ferguson and Sanborn are probably closer to that top 10 range um, in, in the country for their um, spot. So I think that this is this is good. This is great. This um Ferguson and Sanborn obviously representing the team um, down in Indianapolis that we're, I know we're going to talk a little bit about. But but overall, I, I think that it's, it's good for Lyles. And like you said, I think the biggest thing for him is just staying healthy. And, and hopefully he can put that together this year. Yeah, I would love to see a full season of Cade Lyles. I know last year with him banged up a little bit uh, made a huge difference at that center position. So a healthy year of him uh, would do this offense wonders for sure as they move forward. All right, that's oh we got one more football. UW announces a stripe out for the game against Penn State to open the season. Uh, I always think that's a cool idea. I can't remember the last one. Was that Michigan that they had one recently? Yeah, yeah 2019 that's Michigan. The last one I remember. So that was a phenomenal game. It did look really cool. I I didn't get super excited about it the last time, and then I saw it, and I was you know this is um, you know when everybody's got it on right, it's a pretty cool scene. So make sure you guys take a look at the map. Uh, to see where you're at. But either way, uh, a full crowd striped out red and white um, for this Penn State game to get back to Camp Randall and, and get back to a sense of normalcy for a lot of Badger fans is going to be a phenomenal scene. Yeah, I, I think it makes a ton of sense to to really bring everything out for that Penn State game. It's 
in my mind, it's the biggest game of the year. It's the most important, not only to get momentum going, but because it is a Big Ten game, you're going up against a top-tier program. Um, they're going to have a lot of recruits on campus for that game. It, it sounds like that might be their, you know, their big recruiting weekend. Um, so I, I think that's it makes a ton of sense for them to go ahead and, and bust out the stripe out uh, again, and hopefully they can get come away with a W like they did last time they did it against Michigan. Yeah, pull out all the stops for that one. It should be a lot of fun. Um, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to it, as everybody else is. That'll be a, a phenomenal scene. I know it's an early game, but it should be a, a quite the spectacle to have uh, football and a full a full stadium of, of Rowdy Badger fans for that game, which is, like you said, going to be a, a huge contest, not just you know, getting back to football and normalcy, but for the Big Ten implications, Penn State's a team that's probably looking like the number two team um, in the Big Ten East, Wisconsin looking like they are probably the favorite in the Big Ten West, but uh, it's a game that both teams could really springboard their season, their momentum. Uh, if you pick up a win, pick up a loss, all of a sudden you've got a little bit more pressure on you because Penn State's got um, another tough non-conference game later on with Auburn. Of course, uh, Wisconsin's got a tough game with Notre Dame. you got Michigan in there as well, so a uh, huge game. Big implications, and it's good to have all the momentum and the energy in that stadium for that uh, opening of the season contest. No doubt. All right. We'll move on to some basketball now. The latest news, uh, Micah Potter and Nigel Hayes both working out for the Celtics. Uh, It sounds like from the latest reports we've seen a little bit, it it seems like Nigel Hayes might be be working on a deal uh, with the Celtics. The last I saw, it sounds like it went pretty well, and there's a mutual interest on both sides. So for a guy that's been playing in Turkey – last few years, it'd be great to see him back in the NBA in, in some way, shape, or form. Who knows if it's going to be you know big minutes, but I, I remember Nigel Hayes' time at Wisconsin. He seemed like a guy um, that if his game, you know, I know his game really took off early in his career. The development kind of slowed down late in his career, but maybe he's went over overseas and, and worked some things out and all of a sudden looks like a possible rotation player at the NBA level. So great for him. Uh, Michael Potter, I know, worked out. I don't know the latest situation there, but um, great for two former Badgers to hopefully uh, make a landing spot on an NBA roster. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be great to see Nigel Hayes get back in the NBA. He's bounced around quite a bit, but he was putting up some some video game numbers over there in Turkey, uh, which makes sense, and, and I think his shot has taken some nice jumps. So hopefully that could give him an opportunity to come back in the league and, and have a chance. Um, but, yeah, Micah Potter's making the rounds. He's, he's bouncing to a bunch of different places for workouts. I saw – Dimitri Trice also had some workouts, so so hopefully Micah Potter, I think he's the guy that has the best chance to make an NBA roster or, or have a, a spot in the D-League just because of his versatility and the fact that, hey, the, the uh, NBA, the defense doesn't matter quite as much. Um, so I think his offensive game leans more closely with the, the NBA, so hopefully that, that happens for him as well. But I do think the big news is Nigel Hayes potentially coming back to the to the NBA where I think he belongs. I think he's got the talent for it. Uh, yeah, I totally agree. When you look at that, um, you know, that final four team, of course, Frank Kaminsky got some minutes in the NBA finals, but not playing a huge role for the Suns right now. Um, you know, just kind of a rotation, late, you know, back of the bench rotation guy, third center. Uh, of course, Sam Decker wanting to eventually get back in the league. Uh, you would think, you know, of those three, all three of them should be pushing for some sort of minutes uh, in some way. And I thought Nigel, Nigel Hayes would be a part of it. Um, so I'm be interested to see if that works out, and hopefully the second chance um, allows him to at least get into the rotation and, and be a former Badger. Because it's it's not a bad thing to be, uh, even if he's the you know 11th, 12th guy on the bench in an NBA roster or you know uh, in the developmental league. Uh, that's that's certainly uh, money wise a pretty good spot. I'm sure he had a good you know good amount of money playing overseas in Turkey. I know they you know they pay very well in those leagues as well. Um, but as a kid growing up, you, you dream about an NBA chance. You're going to jump at that uh, anytime you can get it. So I'm glad that Nigel Hayes, of course, uh, gets that new opportunity. Yeah, for sure. Speaking of new opportunities, we've got Nate Reavers also signing his first professional contract over in Croatia. And KK Sabonia is how I'm going to pronounce it. Uh, of course, actually, I was doing a little bit of a deep dive here. It's a team that has done well in the, the respective league and in the Euros that way. So it's it's not just him jumping into uh, any sort of random place. It's a team that is, is certainly quality. And I think Nate Reavers, you know, we talk about a lot these college basketball guys that go overseas, especially some of these bigs that can knock down shots consistently. 
do really well over there. So I'm, I'm excited for him to have that opportunity. What did you make of Nate Reavers uh, making that jump? Yeah, I, I'm excited for him. I think that's a, a good landing spot. Hopefully he can make the most out of it. Um, I mean, you can make a, a boatload of money and extend or have a really long career overseas. Um, Croatia is not the worst place to be playing either. So, um, you know, I'm happy for him. I, I, th- I think it's a good landing spot. I, I don't think that he was going to be an NBA guy um, just based off of what we saw at least last year. Um, but I do think that he can have a successful career playing overseas, and hopefully that, that happens for him because he is a very talented player, especially when he's motivated and he's playing at, at his best. Yeah, and I think for him, I mean, you got your whole life to, to work a job. If you can go and, and play some basketball anywhere, it's probably the time to jump at it. So hopefully he has a strong career overseas and, and make some of that money before maybe settling into a different job and hanging it up. Uh, speaking of Nate Reavers, uh, UW threw out another offer to a kid in that same area, Lakeville, Minnesota, in 2024 guard Jack Robeson. He's been the next guy in a long line of Lakeville North prospects to receive um, an offer from Greg Gard. So I know it's 2024. It's still a long ways away, but he's a player that, uh, of course, is is part of the AAU circuit. Sounds like he's been playing well of lately and, and earned that offer from Wisconsin. Makes a ton of sense, long ways away, but it doesn't hurt for the Badgers to once again get into this recruitment early of a player that could really blossom into much, much more. Yeah, I mean, he's a 6'6 kid that, the you know, a wing that Wisconsin was able to see at their advanced camp. So they were able to get um, eyes on him early. I think, I think he's a really solid shooter based off of what you can see um, in his highlight tape, left, lefty. Um, that that should continue to add weight, maybe get a little bit taller. Um, fits nicely with what Wisconsin does on the offensive end. So so we'll see if if Wisconsin can close on that. They they have another offer out to Nolan Winter in the 2023. We talked a little bit about how um, he's Winter is probably bound for um, Minnesota, but maybe Wisconsin can beat them out. I just think Wisconsin has such good ties there with Lakeville North that maybe that can help them out. He, he also plays for um, uh, Howard Pulley, um, which which is definitely a program that Wisconsin has had extensive ties to. And, and so we'll see here. I think he's he's definitely a high upside kid that Wisconsin's getting in on early. And it's always important to be the first, the first to offer, especially if you know that this is a kid that you want down the line. Um, and so I, I think this is a good offer. And I think that Wisconsin hopefully can can be in contention throughout his recruitment and maybe uh, bring him in. Yeah, I think it, like we've talked about it so many times, it pays for Wisconsin to be in these situations early and throwing out these offers and getting that relationship going from the start. So I'm hopeful that Wisconsin can, of course, stay in that. Like I said, it's 2024, so it's a ways away, but it's important to have those doors open and possibly have uh, that situation work out in the Badgers' favor. All right, last piece of news. The NHL draft concluded on Saturday. Two Badgers uh, were selected. Corson Gwellman's uh, defensive man was picked in the first round by the Columbus Blue Jackets, and Daniel Latch was selected uh, seventh round by the Pittsburgh Penguins. I mean, I, I think it's definitely exciting just because you've got two freshmen um, coming in, going to be going to be players that are going to be able to help them out right away. I, I think that there's a lot of guys currently on the roster that have already been drafted. So um, it, it's good to see that here Wisconsin um, had a couple incoming kids that just really um, jumped out. And, and we saw what a kid like Cole Caulfield could do early in his time with the Badgers. Hopefully um, the Badgers have a couple – couple freshmen that can be instant impact and help help them out and get back to where they were last year um but but definitely a cool opportunity for both those guys you always want to see uh, kids getting drafted and and make it an impact uh, earlier in their career so that wraps up everything in terms of news we'll now we'll go ahead and get our ad reads out of the way and then we'll get into uh big 10 media days and of course the ever long conversation of conference expansion for both the big 12 sec and big 10 all right, Big Ten media days have come and went. Really, in terms of everything that, that was talked about, nothing um, crazy happened. It wasn't like, uh, of course, SEC and Big 12 media days that things were really, um, it seemed chaotic, and there was a lot of uh, notable moments from that. But 
that's kind of how Big Ten Media Days is. Every coach comes up and is excited about their team, excited about the opportunity, all the classic Paul Chris cliches. Um, in terms of what you took from anything really jump out or stand out overall for you in terms of uh, Big Ten Media Days, whether it be from Kevin Warren or any of the coaches uh, outside of Paul Chris? Yeah, I mean, I, I just think that – Everybody's excited to be back in person, um, have the opportunity to go back and, and really um, have a more normal season. It, it seems like teams are ready for that. Um, I, I thought it was funny to hear Scott Frost say that Nebraska's in the same realm or right on the cusp of a team like Wisconsin and Iowa when they just haven't beaten those teams in a long, long while. So I thought that was that was interesting and funny, and he didn't even list Minnesota. Um, so I, I think that that was one of the more funny sound bites. I thought it was fascinating to hear Kevin Warren say that he wouldn't have done anything different if he had to do it all over again, which is just a – it's got to be a lie. Like, there's no way you do everything the exact same um, as you did last year if it, it clearly blew up in your face. Um, anything that you took away from media days that didn't come from Paul Chris mouth or some of the players? I think the the really the big thing that was seems to be the focus on all of these um, Big Ten media days, SEC media days, any of them, is the vaccination rate um, for all, for a lot of players. You know, so good last year with with COVID and everything that went on. If you look at this year, you expect to go back to normal, but you also look at some teams around the country, some coaches, and this is just not just the Big Ten, but overall. I know Paul Chris mentioned. He said around 85%, which would be a great number to be at for, for Wisconsin football, and hopefully you can push it to more. But you had a lot of coaches that were either answering it and giving you a percent, which you probably feel pretty good that you know that program's got their vaccination rates under control, but also there's some coaches that flat out just <laughs> – there was a lot. There was Brian Harson of Auburn um, just completely beat around the bush. He was asked directly and, and got nowhere close to an answer. So for – team like that, uh, of course, Nick Rolovich at Washington State um, didn't attend it because he didn't was not vaccinated. Yeah, that's a mess. That <laughs> yeah, so I think every coach being asked that, and you knew that was coming, of course, that was going to be a topic of conversation. NIL was going to be a topic of conversation. Um, so I'm glad that from Wisconsin's perspective, it sounds like things are going well. A lot of guys have got it, so you hope um, that you don't run into any issues. But some of these schools where maybe you don't know the number or they're keeping it tight because maybe they don't want to say the number, you could still have some situations where these games pop up and have to be canceled. And I know no leagues, none of the leagues have quite you know, laid out their framework for what's going to happen if that does. But uh, I know in the NFL, if they're not able to make it up, it's going to be a forfeit that way. I would think college football, you're not going to start moving around like you had last year. Um, that mad scramble to try and reschedule games and move games and all that, it might be the same thing. Um, so I think that was the really the big thing um, of news that stood out for me overall. And, and otherwise, you know, most of the coaches, I did like the Scott Frost thing. Um, I know I always find it funny. Big Ten Media Days are a weird thing where you, you go up there, everyone's optimistic about the team, and rightfully, I mean, what else are you supposed to say? You can't go up there and say you don't feel good about your team, but it's just – Yeah, uh, my team's going to be crap this year. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. So it's a fascinating couple of days of every Big Ten coach thinking they're going to compete for uh, a division title that way. But really nothing nothing too crazy stood out, which is, I mean, some coaches go into it. Paul Chris is a great example. Probably a guy that he's happy that you know, he went in, said his piece, and uh, there's not a lot of news going out around because he's really not always a guy that wants to get up in front of the microphone and, and speak. But even he mentioned he was excited. So um, nothing crazy, but still a fun environment at, at Lucas Oil and, and fun to hear from the coaches overall. Yeah, and I and I'll I'll piggyback on on what you were saying about the vaccination rate because I think when you look at it, having 85, I think Paul Crest even said 80, higher than 85 percent, mm -hmm. which is pretty good when you when you consider it. You know, everybody's got a, the right to their personal decision in terms of that vaccine, but but when you look at it, it, it definitely will impact uh, the team the and the teammates. So, um, but what's what's nice is last year you saw that it spread like wildfire. Through, through a locker room, well, if you have hopefully 85% of, of your team vaccinated, most likely you're, you're, the chances of you getting COVID are, are much lower, supposedly. 
from the vaccine. So when you look at this, you would hope that, hey, it might hit a guy or two here or there, but that's not going to completely decimate your roster. You won't have an entire wide receiving core not be able to go, et cetera, et cetera. So I think Wisconsin will be in a really good spot there. I'm fascinated to see what it'll look like for other teams across the country. Um, a couple other things that popped up um, in, in terms of what Paul Christ had had to say and what some of the other um, players' representatives, they had Fayon Hicks, Jack Sanborn, and as well as Jake Ferguson um, in, in attendance. I think it was um, – it was interesting to see. I know Jake, Jake Kokorowski threw a, a free article out there um, in, in which he interviewed each of the players. And it sounds like Braylon Allen is as, as advertised. Mm-hmm. It sounds like Jack Nelson is going to be a flipping beast um, at, at that right guard spot. It sounds like he's he's a you know a really tenacious player and that he's he's really turning some heads. So I, I think that was all positives to to hear as well from this. So I, I think Wisconsin overall in a better place than they were last year. That was something that was brought up by, by all the players. And, and then a lot of Graham Mertz talk about that they, they feel like, you know, he's a leader. Um, Paul Christ also talked about Ches Malusi um, and what he thinks he could bring to the team. So I think Wisconsin offensively, which is really where their questions are, um, it, it seems like there's some positive momentum there and positive thoughts. So hopefully that translates to play when it comes to the fall. Yeah, I think you got to feel good about that with with where you're at. I know Paul Chris mentioned that he just wants to see a little bit more consistency from the offense overall, um, and and Graham Mertz as well. Um, I know he mentioned as well that he thinks he's glad that Mertz knows that he can get better. I think that's a very a big step in maturation for a quarterback that you know you're not you you maybe were the the guy in high school and every pass and everything worked out. You won all the games, set all the records, but. Uh, I know Graham Mertz, of course, maybe had a little bit of a humbling experience last year and knows that he can get better and, and hopefully take that next jump. Um, and the offense overall uh, could do that as well. So I think everything that came from Big Ten Media Days at, for Wisconsin was all positive. Uh, I know Braylon Allen, the, the quote was kind of funny from Paul Chris, basically saying, you know, when they were recruiting him, they didn't really know where they were recruiting for him. They just knew that uh, that they wanted that kid in a Badger uniform and and rightfully so. He, he's an absolute beast. But I know he added that uh, essentially Braylon Allen will be ready to help the team in whatever way, shape, or form they need to, which is what you need to have. And with a kid like that, that's just an athletic freak. Could be um, uh, could be running back, could be somewhere else, could be playing all over the place. Who knows? But it's better that he's, of course, in a Wisconsin uniform. So really uh, mostly positives from uh, those couple of days in Indianapolis. Yeah, oh, the other thing was Barry Alvarez, you know, kind of working as a czar and helping out Kevin Warren in terms of, you know, the day-to-day operations of the Big Ten, which uh, go figure that Barry wouldn't actually stay retired. <laughs> but um, I, I think that was a good move. And, and it's always good to have a person who who knows your program, has extensive ties, loves Wisconsin, you know, there to, you know, at the podium and, and having a, a larger share, share of conference you know, a larger share in the conference talks. Yeah, there's no surprise at all that Barry uh, couldn't stay away from, from – he never was going to go away, whether it be an official title or, or someone working behind the scenes. Um, as long as he's got his phone to, to, to discuss some, something and he can uh, relax some days and, and, and make his opinion known some other days, I think he's in a happy spot. So no big surprises there. You can't, you don't keep Barry Alvarez uh, away from, the fo- from football or, or the Big Ten um, for very long, but – all right, so we hop into conference expansion because I think that's another fascinating um, talk as well. Oklahoma and Texas, sounds pretty official that they are bolting, and I don't see anything really holding that up. Um, so the Big 12, really in a, in a question mark mode right now. You're going to probably lose your top two programs. I mean, you are going to lose um, your top two programs. That leaves you um, with eight teams that are going to be either looking for homes or the Big 12 looking to add. Is the in your eyes right now? I mean, is the Big 12 done for? Or are we just having you know everybody bolting to whatever direction they can get? Or what do you think right now um, with that big piece of news um, really rumbling uh, all across college football and college athletics? For all intents and purposes, it's dead. Like I, in, in my eyes, uh, at least at what it is now, like there's no way that they're going to bring in uh, teams into the Big 12 given, you know, their media rights deals and everything that it just isn't that great, um, that they're going to bring in 
a talented or talent enough teams to make a huge you know swing and make it so that they're still one of the you know power five program or uh, conferences. It's just not going to be there. You're not going to live off of Baylor, Iowa State, Kansas, Kansas State. Oklahoma State, TCU, Texas Tech, West Virginia Lake. That's great and all, but at the same time, they're just that's not enough high profile teams in there to to really make a dent at the national level. And I'm sure that they're gonna swing to try to get some teams like UCF or BYU or some other some other really solid teams, but it's not gonna be enough, I don't think, to make it so that they're gonna be at an equal footing to some of the other conferences. Um I'm fascinated to see if if some of them jump where they can go to um, and and who is kind of, you know, I guess all the dominoes that are going to eventually fall here from this Oklahoma and Texas deal because I do think it can go a lot of different ways depending upon if teams make the first moves or if other conferences make the first move. Yeah, I I think the domino effect is is really the big part that you look for because – you know, if it was if it was let's just say two random teams, if, other than Oklahoma, Texas, if it was Baylor and Texas Tech looking to make a move. You know, the Big Twelve probably isn't as worried because you have your two premier, you know, flagship programs. But losing both of those, I think that makes the you know the foundation when it crumbles, the whole house goes in. And I think that's kind of what we're looking at for the Big Twelve. I think if you wanted to add some teams, if if that was the case, they were looking to hopefully add teams and, and stay unified with the rest of the eight. But you've already kind of seen some other schools, Iowa State, Kansas, Oklahoma State, already start to reach out for their future plans. So I think, to me, that says, hey, everybody, you know, the water's coming on the boat. It's time to to jump ship uh, and find a new place to go. So I think that domino part is going to be fascinating because it sounds like it's it's pretty much a done deal. And and the Big 12, as we know it, is is probably going away um, with everything that's come out, at least so far. Yeah, and, and, and like sure you can you can run with eight and you can, you know, be happy with that if they wanted to for a few years, but it's just there's not gonna be the media rights deals that you need to stay relevant um with with those teams. It's just not gonna be there. And if teams are leaving, um you're just not gonna be able to, to really generate a buzz by bringing in Boise State and BYU and et cetera into the league. It's just not gonna really move the needle. I know Houston's another team that could potentially jump into there like I'm guessing you could see something to where them and the American kind of merge to a certain extent but that's that's not going to be at the level where the Pac-12 SEC Big Ten are um and and really I think everybody's looking up at the SEC based off of this deal if if it goes through with Oklahoma and Texas on the move yeah it's it's going to be a a crazy few months of, of speculation here as they move forward here but Assuming, of course, that does happen, that leaves eight teams, you know, kind of looking for a solution. Three teams have reached out to the Big Ten um, at Iowa State, Oklahoma State, and Kansas. Uh, now, I, I've heard this. I don't know if it's true. I've heard that only the schools can reach out to the conferences, that conferences can't reach out to schools. Like, the school has to make the initial conversation. So maybe there's more, maybe back-channel conversations, but officially it sounds like three have reached out uh, to the Big Ten. So what do you make of that, and how do you see it? Do you think they fit, and is there, I mean, right now, I think there's pros and cons to each team, but who would you rather have if you're taking a couple of those three? Yeah, I mean, I look at this like like the unwritten rules of NBA tampering, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like sure, sure, the, te- the teams have to reach out to the conferences, but the conferences can, they have their ways, right? Like, there's nothing stopping from ADs who are friends from talking to one another. That happens all the time outside of conferences, um, right? Like Barry Alvarez is going to pick up the phone if somebody calls him, but he could he could very easily make that call to another conference and look at it. Um, so, if, I mean, if we're looking at just those three or really just focusing on the, the Big 12's, you know, dissolvement possibly and, and looking at which teams would make the most sense, I think those three, Iowa State, Oklahoma State, and Kansas, do make sense. They um, Iowa State and Kansas both have the AAU accreditation for you know for school, but Nebraska doesn't have that in the Big Ten right now. Um, anyways, so I don't see that as a big jump or, or need for the conference. I think if you're looking from what's going to possibly bring the best product, it would probably be Iowa State and Oklahoma State. Kansas has basketball, but I'm going to be perfectly honest. Basketball doesn't move the needle in these conversations. It has nothing to do. There's no, 
the the money in basketball is not nearly what it is in football. Football is going to drive this 100%, at least in my eyes. Um, so Iowa State and Oklahoma State, if we have to look at those three teams, um, I, I just don't think that that still moves the needle really. Um, but but I do think that um, if you are if the Big Ten is set that they need to take somebody um, out of that group and, and really want to stretch their brand that way, I would say Iowa State and Oklahoma State. But but really, I just don't think that that move for the Big Ten makes sense. I just don't think that that um, you know expands the revenue enough to make it so that. It, it increases the revenue share of all the other teams. Other teams aren't going to look at that and see, oh, yeah, we're making a bunch of money on this. SEC is bringing in Texas and Oklahoma, guys. <laughs> like, that's a way bigger deal. That's that's big money that's being thrown around. Um, that is that is a lot of eyeballs, so two of the bigger programs in the country. And I don't think that with, uh, you know, the Big Ten needs to, to look at this as they're just looking at the – um, Big 12 in my eyes because I think that that's kind of short-sighted and it's part of the reason that they're in the predicament they are is that they took Maryland and Rutgers two teams just to get the footprints that they have in the first place. So I don't I think that the Big 10 might be a, a little bit more creative or hopefully a, a little bit more creative or really think this through a little bit more instead of jumping into it because right now TV markets don't matter. Um, everybody's streaming for the most part anyways. Um, and you, any of the best games you can watch any time. So it's not like, oh, yeah, we the Big Ten needs, you know, Oklahoma or Kansas, for example. Yeah, I, I personally don't I, – I don't want the Big Ten to all of a sudden – to rush to a decision and just take those two because the SEC is expanding and we have to have the 16 teams too. I don't. I don't think that's a situation that you absolutely need. Um, and really, like you said, neither none of these teams really move the needle. Do they make sense? Like Iowa State, geographically, yes. You've got the Cyhawk Trophy. That would be an easy add where that part makes sense. But at the same time, they're the. I mean, sorry, Iowa State fans. They're the number two team in the state of Iowa. Like it doesn't really move the needle um, in terms of money that way. Kansas, same thing. Like you mentioned, you've got them for basketball, great. Everything else, football, they're an absolute disaster. They may not win a game this year. It's just, it, it's really tough to see a perk of that outside of basketball, and you, then you're splitting money with a team like that. So, I, I mean, Oklahoma State, Iowa State certainly makes sense, but bit-wise, I just don't know right now if any of them are, are a perfect solution in the in the long term. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I just I just don't see it. And um, I don't think that that's necessarily in the best interest of the Big Ten. And I think – I agree. I think Iowa State would be a fun ad. Like, from just a competitive and, like, me watching football, I'd like it if they brought in Iowa State. I just don't know if it makes financially any sense if you're the Big Ten. Like, I don't think that that changes things for you. And like you mentioned, Iowa State, Oklahoma State, those are both the, you know, second fiddle teams in their own state that you'd be bringing in. Um, and so is that really what you want? You want to be hastily adding a team just to add a team? And, and really, I, I, this is all driven by money. So if it's going to be driven by money and that's just out in the open, you, you got to swing for different things than, than I think, um, you know, the straps of the Big 12 at this point. Yeah, you want to you wanna take your time and make sure you're making a decision that will benefit you in the long term. Because like you mentioned, Maryland and Rutgers, you're now kind of, I mean, both of those teams, you're kind of, you're stuck with, you know, Maryland, yeah, they've, they've been okay in basketball, Rutgers really hasn't done much, but now you've got them, and it's not like you can just ship them off, you can't just, you know, make a trade, and I can't imagine other conferences are looking to poach either of those two off, so once you jump into something like this, you're probably stuck with it, so unless, you know, your teams are moving, but it's not a situation where you can break off those ties once you make them. So I'd rather the Big Ten maybe wait around, see how this works out, and then eventually, you know, try and get the 16 teams maybe with some other names. But assuming the Big Ten maybe takes two of them, that leaves six others vying for spots. Is that, you know, the rest of them, you know, West Virginia go to the ACC, the other Texas schools go to the Pac-12? I mean, that makes a ton of sense. But then you've got a team like Kansas State that's maybe – you know, out in the cold, do they join the AAC? I mean, I don't know what the, – there's somebody that might be left out in, in a weird situation, but those other six, 
if it comes to be that, is, is certainly going to be in a situation that they're going to be looking for home as well. Yeah, I, I, I could see the Big 12 trying to bring in, like, SMU, um, try to bring in um, BYU, Boise State, to try to keep their brand, um, you know, try to get UCF before maybe the ACC tries to grab them. Um, but I do think that it's what's interesting is I think everybody is getting bogged down on this 16-team idea. Like, just because the SEC is doing that doesn't mean that that's what needs to happen. I honestly think – that if you're the Big Ten, if you're not going to find two teams somewhere in the country that's going to really increase your brand unless you're getting, like, Clemson and North Carolina here, right, Like or Clemson and Miami. But that, I just don't see that happening. Um, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Big Ten grabs up more than, um, you know, two teams. I could see them going up to 18 or 20 here because – we're seeing right now teams have different sized conferences. It doesn't matter. I think it's going to more and more, it seems like teams are going to be going to either pods within or divisions in which your, uh, your top two teams go ahead against each other or just getting rid of divisions altogether like the Big 12 was already doing where you're just having your top two teams based off of record happen. So I, I honestly think that you're going to see more than 16 in a conference here. Um, for a couple different conferences. But I do think that when you look at those six, I think a couple might end up with the Pac-12. I think it's just going to be kind of sprayed out across the country. There'll be a couple to go to American, a couple of them that'll end up maybe in the Big Ten, for example. But I do think that it's going to be completely broken apart unless they bring in some other teams, but it's still not going to be to the level where the the other major Power Five conferences are at if they bring in teams. Yeah, that part's going to be really a fascinating storyline as you move on um, here for for all these teams that are either going to be looking to add or or move or make some sort of move to make sure they're in a relevant spot. Um, because like you said, you know, just because the SEC is moving doesn't mean that's what you have to do. Uh, but you also don't want to be stuck um, on your feet that way. And with an expanded playoff and on the football scene as well, you know, maybe the the divisions and the conference size maybe that matters even less as you move forward. But if you were the Big Ten commissioner, you know, say you're Kevin Warren, you got his shoes, what would you do and, and how do you approach this? Because I think there's one move that you could really maybe try and, and prong some of this off, um, but I'll let you go ahead. And, and what would you what would you do if you were in Kevin Warren's shoes? What calls do you try and make? So it's interesting because, like you mentioned, Oklahoma and Texas are the ones that started this, right? Like at least that's what we – um, have been told so far across, you know, the news was that, hey, Oklahoma and Texas reached out to the SEC um, and tried to make a move. I honestly think that while it's it's nice that those Big 12 teams want to come to the Big 10, the Big 10 and the SEC and, and, you know, somewhat the ACC based off of their new deal are playing with a completely different money, amount of money than anybody else across the across the country right now. Um, and so I think that when you look at the landscape of college football, the ACC just sounds like a 20-year deal, which is going to eventually look silly for them. The SEC makes so much money, and the Big Ten makes more money than the SEC. So you're, I really think it's going to be something to where the Big Ten and SEC are going to be starting to um, conglomerate and, and really take away some of these top programs. If I was Kevin Warren, and I don't know if Kevin Warren, to be perfectly honest, I don't know if he um, is, is going to go for something like this, if he's really going to make a move, but I would just go and try to take the best teams from the Pac-12. I mentioned that you're right now you're seeing that these conferences are expanding across the country, right? Like you look at the SEC, it's, it's, you're all the way from Florida all the way to, to uh, Texas at this point. The Big Ten has got a footprint that goes all the way from New York all the way to Minnesota, Nebraska, Iowa. Why not keep that going across? You basically, if, if you play your cards right, I, I could see, based off of the fact that the, the Pac-12 has maybe the worst deal out of all of them and has been hemorrhaging money because of their poor um, Pac-12 network deal, I, I could see teams like USC, Stanford, Oregon, Washington, those four, if you could convince those four, I think you, you run in a heartbeat if you're the Big Ten, and that's the sizable move that is actually 
I don't know if that's equivalent to what Texas and Oklahoma bring to the SEC, but it definitely is a is a shot back to a, to a level that shows, hey, we're going to still the Big Ten is going to still keep their dominance across, you know, in rigor of education because each of those are really solid schools, right? Like they're some of the better institutions in the country, especially out in the West Coast, um, while also bringing in you know, dominant teams. You've got USC, you've got Oregon, you've got Washington. Those are all teams that have won titles. Stanford has been, you know, down the last couple of years, but that's still a team that has a lot of um, tradition. You could even add in a team like Colorado if you really want to, you know, bridge the gap across here a little bit and also bring in another market, although, like I said, it doesn't matter. And and maybe a, a team like – then you can bring in an Iowa State if you really want to and you make it 20. That's where I would go because I do think – that if if you really want to set yourself up for long term, that's going to be something that's going to increase your media deal when it pops up in 2023. If if you're the Big Ten, so that's what I would do. Is I would go for try to shoot for the Pac-12 teams where I know that their media deal is not great, that there's a lot of disgruntled people there um, about that, or you try to get the ACC, which I just don't see happening. I don't think that the Big Ten has enough to to steal away like. North Carolina, Clemson, Miami, and Florida State, nor do I necessarily think that that's a perfect fit. So I would go Pac-12 and try to get it instead of trying to take the scraps from the, the Big 12 at this point. Yeah, I think that those moves would make a lot of sense. I, I mean, you think about the education and the, and the football programs and, and everything, the, the values of the Pac-12 and the uh, Big 10 certainly align a lot there. Tradition-wise, I know everyone's that's the big thing that a lot of um, college football fans are, are certainly going to be missing. You know, you're going to lose some of these rivalries, and you're also going to get some of these schools that aren't used to playing each other and playing. But that's that's been going on um, for a long time now. I mean, this original Big 12 was the Big Eight. You had all sorts of these schools that don't play each other now, and um, that's just that's where it comes with with football and growing and, and the money that way. I think one thing that I am interested in is I know, of course, you've got Oklahoma and Texas who have said basically they're leaving, you know, they're, they're going to be going, you know, they've announced that they're not going to renew their rights, but, and it's certainly presumed that it's the SEC. And I think by all, all likelihood, it's going to be the SEC. But if I'm Kevin Warren, maybe you pick up the phone before this thing gets done and set and say, Hey, I know you guys are looking to move and the SEC makes sense, but we make, you know, we make a lot of money here in the big 10. And before you jump into that ship, and and be maybe the the second and third fiddle behind the Alabamas, Georgias, and the Floridas. Maybe you say, hey, maybe if you're just looking to move and, and make more money, more money and play in a big conference, we can give you that all as well. And you'll probably be two teams that step up and be competitive um, from the jump. So I, I think right now, of course, Oklahoma and Texas are kind of controlling everything, and the SEC is making their big power move, but. If you're the Big Ten, you want to make a big punch as well and you tr- maybe try and, and nix this deal before it gets going or you go that Pac-12 route. But I think that's one thing that, that I kind of, you know, everyone thinks it's going to be the SEC and, you know, they've been talking about it for months, so it likely will be. But until that is signed and, and dotted, it's it's probably not a done deal yet. So maybe they can um, jump in at the 11th hour and uh, and make a power move of their own. Yeah, I, I think that's a, a great call as well. It can't it can't hurt, you know, to to make that phone call. Uh, I do think that it's pretty much a done deal. I do think that they're they're off. I think they've made up their minds. But it but like you said, it, it cannot hurt in that situation. I, I just I just continue to come back that when you look at the current landscape of college football, it things are continually going more nationwide. Um, you look at um, the amount of money that's being generated by the Big Ten, by the SEC, they're playing a different game right now, Well, and ACC to a certain extent. But like I said, I do think that they're going to be screwed when it comes to that deal that they just signed because it's too long. But I do think that right now the Pac-12 is in danger, and I think the Big 12 are, are in danger. I think those two conferences, um, unless they make a move to try to bring it together, I just think that there's going to end up being – major shifts across those two conferences that are going to result in the SEC, the Big Ten, maybe even the ACC getting stronger over the course of this um, and, and really looking at it because 
teams are trying to jockey and get ready for what in conferences are trying to jockey and get ready for when the playoff is is expanded. This probably you know may, might pause the 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 talks and maybe shift the number that they go with. I still think twelve makes sense, but but I, I do think that there's going to be a lot of a lot happening here over the next um, few months, and and I I do think that there's going to be shifts in the Big Ten that are going to happen. Um, Wisconsin, you know, Wisconsin's been a longstanding member since 1848, but you you still have teams, obviously um, Maryland and Nebraska and Rutgers, the most recent. But you even look at Penn State, 1990, when when they joined. So it's this isn't unheard of. There's going to be more additions, but I just I think that if if Kevin Warren and you know Barry Alvarez, you know help, who's helping him out, get stuck with this idea of 16, I think it's going to hurt them because I don't think you're going to find two teams to come over and really make a dent. I think it would make more sense if you saw something to where the Big Ten took those those northern teams, the the Colorado, Washington, Oregon. I know that. USC isn't going to be a northern team, but Stanford is a little bit more northern. Um, and then those southern teams of the Pac-12 joined the Big 12, and, and you saw kind of that kind of shift in the landscape. I think that would make more sense for college football and, and hopefully still have a really strong product because I know I'm going to still watch it and fans are going to still be clamoring to watch everything, but it, but it is going to be a big shift here, I think, happening in the next few years. Yeah, I think that'd be a phenomenal choice uh, as well with the the Pac-12 and those teams. Like I said earlier, they they line up really well. Um, so it's going to be a crazy few months and years here um, as this you know trickles out because you know Texas and Oklahoma may not be moving until um, their deal goes up in 2025. Certainly, there's a chance that they buy out and before that, but I think I saw stuff that they were going to try and honor what they're in right now. So it might be an awkward four years uh, in the Big 12, but eventually it sounds like these moves are going to happen and and others will certainly follow suit. All right, guys, that wraps up another episode of the podcast. We'll be with you later in the week on Wisconsin.